With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, this is going to be a fun show. Um, maybe just because I just blew uh, too much money on a Pro Football Focus subscription, uh, and I have been nerding out on the stats. Um, and I'll tell you what made me cause, or what caused me to pull that trigger in a second. But uh, we're going to keep doing what we did yesterday. And the same thing that is kind of the plan going forward um, to kill these couple weeks till camp starts. And that is uh, previewing one Pac-12 team per day, but also previewing one Pac-12 or one one CU position group every day. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. Um you know, it's it, last year was like a big treat when we got to talk about the air raid or got to talk about the triple off and all the crazy offenses. At this point, w- when we don't have football or haven't had football for so long, at least Pac-12 football, I am really enjoying, honestly, any opportunity to talk about any football. And uh, I have some thoughts um, that we're going to get to, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But first, more about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is the place to go for your dental needs. Whether you just need a quick cleaning, um, whether you're getting like an x-ray, any of that kind of stuff is great there. But also if you need something big like uh, getting your wisdom teeth out. That's what our own sales director here at DNVR, uh, Lindsay, had to do a couple months ago. She went to Green Mountain Dental, and she said that it was the best experience she's had with a dentist in her life, um, which is kind of crazy because I would have thought it'd be something like little, like, I don't know. Um, oh, you know, when I was in elementary school, I think like once a month maybe, they would bring in a dentist and we'd all like clean our teeth with like mouthwash and you'd have to like put get in a little cup and like swish it around those weren't bad experiences actually at the time i hated them but in hindsight like in my experiences with dentists those had to be the most positive not that i have bad teeth like things usually go well um i've actually never had a cavity but um 
Green Mountain Dental Group is an incredible place for all the reasons I just said. They're family-owned. They're only 15 minutes away from downtown Denver out in Lakewood. They're huge Colorado sports fans. And also, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group. So get on that. Okay. Um, today, we are talking about the Arizona State Sun Devils. Um, and the reason is because I think that they're the number two team in the Pac-12 South right now. And I think we're just going to kind of run through these Pac-12 South teams and then get into the North and then get into the Colorado Buffaloes football season, which is just right around the corner. Um, but like I was saying, Arizona State. Um, and before we actually talk about the team, here's how I spent my morning. I went back, watched Arizona State, watched the game against Colorado, um, the one that Mel was wearing shorts in when he won, the first time the Buffs had run won a road game uh, against a ranked opponent since like 2002 or 2001, something crazy like that. Um, it was a lot of fun. But there were reasons that they won this game, and um, that made me curious. And so I wanted more stats because, you know, for example, watching the game, you're just like, wow. Steven Montez has all day to throw. And for a quarterback like Steven Montez, who takes maybe a little bit too long to make some decisions, that is huge. And it was huge. Not just because he was only pressured, I, I want to say like on six passing attempts or compared to like 28 where he wasn't pressured, something like that. It isn't just that there are so few snaps where he does have to make a quick decision. It's because there are so many snaps where he's comfortable and doesn't expect to need to make a quick decision. You know, when you go up against a Utah, for example, even if they only got to you six or eight times, the whole game you're thinking, oh, wow, they're on the way. This is Utah's pass rush. Even if they only actually affect you a couple more times throughout that game, it feels like it's more. You start changing your decisions, trying to speed things up because of it. And he wasn't forced to do that against Arizona State. But I wanted to look at the numbers. And so I uh, actually got myself the like big subscription to Pro Football Focus, which has been a lot of fun. I'm nerded out on all the numbers. Basically, they said the exact same thing that you could see during the game. Um, but this is a pretty awesome tool that we now have here at uh, the DMVR Buffs podcast. So let's just dig in. Um, and before we get into the specifics of what we saw on the field in this game, just because like what we want to know is what Arizona State is going to be this season. That is the goal of these like 10, 15 minutes, whatever we end up spending talking about Arizona State today. Part of that can be seen in this Buffs game. Part of it can be seen in the numbers from the Buffs game. Um, and maybe there are some trends that we can see and say, okay, this is what CU needs to do when they play Arizona State this year because they will play every team in the Pac-12 South. So um, let's just talk about who is even on this roster. Um, it starts with Jaden Daniels. He is the storyline here. Um and uh, he will be the storyline the rest of this year, the rest of next year. Um, whether things go well or they don't, this Arizona State team's hopes are kind of just tied to their now true sophomore quarterback. Um, this week on Big Noon Kickoff, actually, Matt Leinert said that Arizona State is a dark horse college football playoff contender, and I kind of agree with him. Um, 
Jaden Daniels is the reason why. Because he does have such a high ceiling. Um, 6'3", 175 pounds, dual threat, um, built a lot like uh, Lamar Jackson. Maybe a little bit longer, um, but very much in that mold of quarterback, though he didn't use his legs quite as much last year as a Lamar Jackson did when he was in college. Um, a couple things really stand out. As a true freshman, he threw 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. That's impressive. You don't see that very often. Um Here's the downside, though. You know, we talked about Keaton Slovis yesterday and how he really is uh, a very high-end prospect. He's the type of guy who I think is very quickly going to be on Heisman watch list. You know, right now, I think he's probably right around 8th or ninth. I guess it's different this year. He's not going to play as many games as a lot of quarterbacks. But if this had been a normal year, I think he would have been top 10 and maybe even sneaking close to the top five in these Heisman watch lists. Um, Jaden Daniels is still just a little bit behind him. Not a long ways, but just a little bit. Because the big difference is that sometimes Jaden Daniels just disappeared. The floor from game to game for him, at least as a true freshman, as an 18-year-old, was pretty low. Um, In particular, you look at the Utah game. Utah. Great defense, probably the best defense in the Pac-12 last year, anchored by a a great pass rush up front. Um, But Jaden Daniels finished that game 4 of 18 for 25 yards. That's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. Even if you are going up against a team like Utah, if Arizona State really is that type of contender, and if if they are that type of contender, it's because Jaden Daniels is going to be the top quarterback, I mean, top two quarterback in this entire conference, you just can't have games like that. And that was obviously like by far the worst, but he he had uh, another game, 174 passing yards at Cal, 14 to 24, um, 104 against Arizona. That was kind of because the running game was clicking. They ran the ball 55 times, but There were imperfections. You know, the bowl game against Florida State, 12 of 28, 195 yards. uh, Only completed 60% of his passes overall. When he was on, he looked really good. When he was off, you know, those games existed as well. Against Cal, you know, you got to do better in 14-24, 174. Um, Especially, like, I I get that you run the ball 48 times and they won the game, but Four yards per carry. You just need a little bit more pop out of him. Whereas you look at the Keaton Slovis numbers, and it's every single game he's putting up the numbers that you would want to see him put up. I mean, I guess Washington only 163, but he was over 200 every other game. Um, hit 500 once, hit 400 twice, hit 300, I think four more times and was hovering right around that mark throughout. And that really is the difference, is that if if Keaton Slovis doesn't put up 300 yards, you're kind of surprised. You know, he put up 336 per game last year. He put up 358 in conference play. Jaden Daniels didn't quite get to that point. And again, those rushing yards were not as high as you would expect. So 
there is a pretty clear separation between Slovis and Daniels. I still think that you have to look at Daniels and say, wow, incredible talent. The balls that he can throw, if he can hit those consistently, you're going to be just fine. But he isn't like one of these bona fide stars, like first round draft pick locks. If he takes a step forward, yeah, he could easily get into that conversation this year, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see it happen. Um, it will be tougher this year, though, losing uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, who was what he was a late first round draft pick. Um, now with the 49ers, that's a really good receiver. And in going back and watching that game against Colorado, it's pretty obvious that Ayuk is an NFL talent, honestly. You know, he burned Delrick Abrams for a touchdown. There was a post route, not like a super deep post route, but he got him on the inside break, cut up field before he got to the safety, Mikhail Onu, and then he was just gone. Nobody could catch him. Um, then uh, he, I mean, more than that, it was just how consistently he was open against uh, the underneath routes. You know, they put him in the slot and just tear the buffs apart. Um, actually, there were five times when Brandon Ayuk uh, was targeted and the closest defender, the guy who was supposed to be covering him, was Nate Landman. All five of those were catches. None of them turned out to be touchdowns, but uh, you just kind of saw what a team with this kind of attack can do to a team like Colorado. They were successful throwing the ball over the middle. It it, it was a game in which Nate Landman st struggled in coverage, and it was still pretty early in the year, and I do think that he got better throughout the year, but especially when Davion Taylor's the other defender, like those two playing zones next to each other. And Davion, again, still early in the year. He's somebody who really did have to take steps forward, um, but he had the raw tools that you really liked. There were problems. Overall, the Pro Football Focus has uh, seven of eight passes against Nate Landman completed. Um, it... That was kind of the, the weak point in the defense. That was what was exploited over and over and over again. Ayuk is gone, and he was the number one guy. You know, this was the conversation last year for this team, too, though, after they lost Nikhil Harry. Turns out they were just fine. This year, I really like Frank Darby, um, especially as a replacement for Ayuk. I don't think Frank Darby's a first-round draft pick. I think uh, he's, he's in that Katie Nixon tier where if he really does play well, yeah, he, he could play his way up into the fourth round. I don't know that he has the tools to move up much past that, but uh, if he has a big year, he could get up there. If he has a year like he had last year, he's probably not getting drafted. Um, last year, a little over 600 yards, I think. Um, Darby is similar to Ayuk in a couple of ways, but the big difference is he just doesn't have all the speed. He isn't nearly as dynamic of an athlete. Um, you know, the knock on him is that he can't get separation, uh, and his biggest strength is catching the ball when he doesn't have separation. We'll see what it looks like when the offense really does get to key in on him more. Um, I, I like the talent, 6'1", 200. He's going to be playing out of the slot. He's a smart player. He plays hard. Um, 
behind him question marks not a whole lot of returning contributors um i think uh, the guys who i see projected to be uh the other two starters have, i think combined for about 200 yards last year there are some true freshmen who are really exciting um chad johnson chad ochocinco's son being one of them um but you don't know what those receivers are actually going to look like outside of Frank Darby. Um, you don't know what the running backs are going to look like either. That's another huge loss with Eno Benjamin, who is the school's all-time single-season leading rusher, um, was very effective last year, um, basically handled everything at the running back position. So we really just don't even know what to expect from the guys behind him. Um Total question mark. Uh, up front, losing three starters, but things might not be as bad as they sound. They also bring in a couple of grad transfers, and uh, one of them from Stanford, one from Texas A&M, guys who you would expect to be able to contribute. Um, and they also started two true freshmen last year. And those two you would also expect to see take a step forward. So, again, kind of a question mark there. This whole offense... It's going to start with Jaden Daniels and Frank Darby, and uh, we'll see what the rest looks like. Defensively is uh, where things, I don't know, at least you know what to expect defensively. Um, it's all going to start with the secondary. Uh, they really have solid players in the secondary. Um, honestly, they could have Three, I think there's a a sixty percent chance that they get three players from this secondary drafted this year, um, and maybe even four is more likely than two. Um, Chase Lucas is kind of the biggest name, uh, cornerback. He's a senior, six foot one seventy six. Uh, other corner Jack Jones, five eleven one seventy. Uh, safeties are both right around six feet tall and uh, under 200 pounds. This is a pretty small secondary, and I wonder if that'll cause problems. Um, and it did cause problems when the Buffs played them last year. Uh, this was the game that got Tony Brown into the NFL. Um, and you could almost say the same thing about Ayuk, but Ayuk just had a few more of these games. Tony Brown, though, they just did not have an answer. He had three touchdowns. He was beating really all of these guys um i'm gonna pull up these numbers just because i'm curious yeah he was targeted nine times um had one two three four five six seven different defenders um for those nine targets and put up three touchdowns 150 yards incredible game um i this is the type of game that makes you question what this secondary looks like. But again, the, the reason the passing offense was so sharp was because Steven Montez was able to take his time and make decisions and let guys get open. Um, Katie Nixon caught six of his eight targets. Um, I don't think I have any like real notes on any of these plays. I, I guess what happened with Katie? Katie uh, caught some screen passes. He caught some stuff downfield. And 
made some guys miss. I think that this was one of the games where you really got to see KD with the ball in his hands a little bit and evaluate what he looks like when that happens. Um, he's not Visca. He's not, um, let's see, who else is one of these guys who you want to get the ball in their hands? He's not like the Tyreek Hill by any means. Um, he's not even Brandon Ayuk, I don't think. He's good at making one guy miss. He isn't always great about turning, making that one guy miss into additional yards. And he isn't great at getting a second guy to miss. So you need one of those two things to change. Either when he makes a guy miss, he needs to be able to get up field and pick more yards up. And this is more of a Katie Nixon conversation, um, which we're getting into later. But, or he needs to be so bouncy, so shifty that he can stay in like a three yard by three yard box and make multiple defenders miss. He isn't quite that explosive. Um, so yeah, I think that those are my thoughts there. But, you know, Chase Lucas, who I was talking about as a guy who you expect to be drafted this year. Um, just for perspective, probably a little bit better prospect than Mustafa Johnson or Nate Landman. Um, but not somebody who's a likely first round pick. You know, he does have physical limitations. Um, in this game, he was sitting back a lot and wasn't always making the tackles when he had to come forward um, because of the underneath passes. Um, how do I want to wrap up this secondary conversation? I think I think the the big story is that these guys are experienced and they've played well, but we've seen them make mistakes in games against the buffs. Um, you know, even a, a Shari Crosswell, who's on like the draft prospect list. He, he's the guy who on the first drive of the game, Visca caught the pass and was just like running up the sideline and Ashari tried to tackle him and Visca basically just ran him backwards 10 yards it was like one of the, it was probably the highlight of that game was Visca just not letting this man do anything. And that's a problem for a safety. You got to be able to make some tackles. So these aren't perfect defenders, but it's a group that has a very high floor and a pretty high ceiling as well. Um, just, uh, I still have some question marks whether they can get to that ceiling. Um, in front of the secondary, though, there's a lot to like. Um, Merlin Robertson, the linebacker, um, 6'3", 251, but a pretty good athlete given that size. A lot of things he does well. Um, only a junior this year, but has all of the tools to be a very good football player in the Pac-12. Um, anybody else I want to talk about? Uh, Jermaine Lillet, the defensive tackle. Um so Arizona State shifting from a 3-3-5 defense to um, a, a four-man front. And I think that Jermaine Lolay is really going to benefit from that. Getting to play the three technique consistently, you know, he, he's an interior pass rusher. He is somebody who plays a position that is very highly valued at the next level. Um, 
the Chris Jones type, the Aaron Donald type, you know, 4-3 defensive tackle who can get after the quarterback. Had six and a half sacks last year as a sophomore. Um, he's a guy who I'm excited to watch. Um, I guess that's about it. Pretty experienced defensive front, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what this team looks like. Some question marks on offense, a quarterback you trust, reason to think that an offensive line that was good last year will get even better, um, and some guys that you like at receiver, even behind Frank Darby, who I think fits well as a guy who you can get the ball to a lot. He can be a volume receiver, um, which is really valuable, especially when you have question marks behind him. Um, and that's one of my questions about Katie Nixon. Can he be a volume receiver? Can he be a guy that you target nine times a game? Because at this point in his career, that's what he needs to be. That's what the Buffs need him to be. Um, Frank Darby has an edge on him there, I think. Um, but we got to see how it all plays out. Um, and then defensively, just in wide thoughts, the Pac-12 is kind of a big play league. Um, I think that that decides a lot of these games is just who gives up the fewest big plays and which defense can make the most plays. These cornerbacks, these safeties, they have good ball skills. They can make some plays. They can also not give up big plays. How much more can that than that can they do, though? Can they get up on receivers and, and beat them up physically? Because, again, it's a small group. And when we're talking about Colorado going up against USC's receivers, you have to wonder what this secondary looks like against USC. Um, and as I'm saying that, I realize I can just check this real quick. Um, last year... USC, when they played Arizona State, uh, 28 of 44 passes completed, 292 yards. Um, so not bad. But uh, I just I, – I have my concerns that this may be a secondary that doesn't reach its upside, gets beat – even though they're playing the best they can play, um, but they just don't quite have the athleticism, don't quite have the physical traits that allow them to to beat a USC, to beat an Oregon, um, if it ever comes to the point where they get to, or even a Utah, because that game was, uh, let's see, I, th- I want to say it was the first time since 2012, it was like 125 straight games that Arizona State had scored double-digit points, couldn't do it against Utah last year. So while it's pretty easy to see the upside of this team, again, all starts with Jaden Daniels potentially getting himself into that top tier of quarterbacks in the country. It isn't a guarantee. You know, it's it's almost like the Arizona Cardinals coming into this year in the NFL, but even they had more proven receivers. I think Kyler Murray, you know, you have to account for a lot of changes when you're talking about Pac-12 quarterback versus NFL quarterback. You do expect more, even given all those variables out of a Kyler Murray than a Jaden Daniels. Um, but yeah, that's uh, my thoughts there. And uh, that went pretty long. I just realized because I haven't been checking the time. Um, I don't think I have any other thoughts. I don't think I have any other thoughts. Just that this is one of the teams that I really do get excited thinking about um, 
as we pull within five weeks now. Just outside of five weeks until the uh, first Pac-12 football game. It'll be five weeks from Friday probably. Um, and we hopefully we get a schedule here soon. Okay. Um, before we move along and... The spoiler is today I'm just talking about the receivers. I'm so excited to talk about these receivers. I'm not waiting another day, especially um, because it does kind of fit this theme that we have today, talking about this Arizona State game and what we were able to see last year. Um, Before that, though, I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is the official beer of DNVR, and uh, it's good stuff. Uh, if you haven't tried the Avalanche Amber Ale yet, you're missing out because that is just my go-to now. Um, I don't know a whole lot about beer. I can't tell you, like, like if you gave me, like, six different beers and said, okay, you get to try all these, um, which one is the Kolsch, which one is the whatever, the whatever else... I wouldn't be able to do any of that. But I do know that the Avalanche is my favorite version of like the classic American Amber Ale, which is what it calls itself, an American Amber Ale. And, you know, it's supposed to be in that like Coors line or that like Budweiser type of beer. And they just do it so well. It's just so simple and so clean and it just tastes good. It isn't too heavy and it isn't like too light either. It really is just a very good beer that has become a, a staple at our apartment. <laughs> um, Breckenridge, again, the Colorado company. Um, you can find their beers in 36 different states. And uh, they also just came out with the uh, Broncos Country beer, uh, which has gotten great reviews. Other big news. Uh, the farmhouse is open. Um, it's socially distanced. It's beautifully set up for outside dining as well. Um, if you guys haven't been out there, I can't tell you how cool that place is. Um, they have like, it's just so, it, it feels like you're on a farm, but not in any of the gross ways. Cause when I think of farms, I think of a lot of bad things too. It's all of the good things, but none of the bad. Um, you guys should go check it out, especially because the weather is starting to change and who knows how many more nice warm evenings we're going to have left. So get out there. Um, and if you're trying, if you want to try the beers, uh, use the Breckenridge beer locator to figure out where you can buy whatever it is that you want to buy. You can find it by going to the Breckenridge Brewery website and going to the Breckenridge Beer Locator. Uh, Next up, it's time to give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Week 3 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 4. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 4, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now, because seriously, you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team. And if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? 
Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all of you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, now that the bills are paid, let's talk about these receivers. Um, where to start? I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of these guys. But let's just start at the top. Um, I am very interested to see how Katie Nixon will be used this season. I think that when you look at these receivers, that has to be the biggest question. Um, right up there is probably like, who is the number three? Um, yeah, I mean, that has to be the other one that's really up there. Is, is Daniel Arias ready to jump into that top three? Um, Jalen Jackson, uh, Maurice Bell. There are a bunch of options. To me, though, the biggest question is what is Katie Nixon this season? Um, because he could go so many different ways. Um, by the end of this season, we could be saying, wow, what a great gadget guy. Any NFL team would love to have a guy like that. Some of them might already have a guy like that, but this is the type of player that we're seeing blow up across the NFL. The guys who can get the ball to in a number of different ways, throw them on a jet sweep motion on every snap um, just because it'll throw off the defense. They have to respect that. You know, that is one way this could go. We could also say, wow, what a great deep threat. He's tracking the ball so well. He's getting deep. Um, or, or, you know, he could go off as a slot receiver. There are so many different paths that he could take this season, especially now that I really do think that this offense should be built with his strengths in mind. You know, that isn't the end-all, be-all, but... Uh, but when you look at the, I don't know, what, what, the, the, the things that you need to check, the boxes you have to check off, it's like, okay, this offense needs to work for whoever the quarterback is. This offense needs to take advantage of the strength of this team, which is likely running the football. But also finding the right way to incorporate Katie Nixon is so important to the success of this team because he is not only a very talented football player, he's a very experienced football player, somebody who you don't expect to make the dumb mistakes and so you want him on the field as just one more piece that you trust to not go wrong. And if he's going to be out there, make sure you're using him to the best of his ability. And I honestly don't know what the best way to do that is. But I do have some thoughts. Um, I want to see him in the slot more. Um, he took 68 snaps from the slot last year out of 300 um snaps where he was running a route. So 68 out of 300. I don't know what that percentage is, but you kind of get a feel. Meanwhile, Dimitri Stanley was on the field for 308 snaps 
that he was running a route on. And he lined up in the slot in uh, on 305 of those. So 305 out of 308 routes that Dimitri Stanley run ran were from the slot. Oh, I do have the percentage. So he was there 99% of his snaps. Jalen Jackson um, was there for 31 of his 33, which is 94%. Uh, Katie Nixon, 23% of his snaps. Dimitri Stanley, at least in the buff size, and the same with Jalen Jackson, appear to be slot receivers. Um, and there's a chance that that could change. There's a chance that you could see Dimitri Stanley move outside occasionally. Um, and, and the way you talk yourself into that, um, into expecting that, is you would say, well, Dimitri Stanley... They didn't want to ask him to learn too many different things because he was such a young player still last year, redshirt freshman um, who's on the field a lot. Do you want him to have to learn two positions or do you want him to learn one position and then maybe over the course of his second offseason, really, um, he learns maybe another position and starts playing outside in 2020? So there's a chance that we could see Dimitri Stanley play outside for that reason a little bit more this year. I wouldn't expect it. Um, and I think that they made it pretty clear that Dimitri Stanley's their slot. Jalen Jackson's kind of the number two there. Um, here's another strange thing, though. Um, looking at Visca's numbers, 256 snaps he ran a route. 42 of them were from the slot. He was targeted... 31% of the time that he ran a route. When he was in the slot, that jumped up to 47.5% because he is such a good slot receiver. See, this is one of those things that I get that you can move Visca around. And that's a really cool thing to be able to do as a uh, offensive coordinator, as a coach, whoever's making those decisions. And I think that you should take advantage of the versatility. Keep the defense on their heels by not letting them know where your best player is going to be until you're actually lined up at the line of scrimmage. And even then, you might throw them in motion and change some of the formula right then anyway. But when Visca's bringing in 80% of the balls that are thrown to him when he's in the slot, you got to get him in the slot just a little bit more. Um and I think that by knowing that Visca was utilized the way he was, he was still primarily an outside receiver, even though I really like him as a slot receiver. I think that's where he's at his best. He was more successful over the middle of the field. In the NFL, he's been incredibly successful over the middle of the field. Um, it does make me think, though, uh, and again, I guess the, with the coaching change, you never really know. If they weren't going to force Visca into the position where you're likely going to get him the ball the most at slot receiver, I don't expect you to do that with Katie Nixon. I expect Dimitri Stanley to be that slot receiver um, on just your typical down. When everybody's healthy, when it's early in the game, you haven't seen anything work or not work or any of that, Dimitri Stanley is the guy they're going to be throwing in the slot. That means Katie Nixon, a lot of the time, is going to be outside. One way that you could kind of combat this, though, is by working him 
as a guy in motion by bringing him in close to the formation and getting him the ball on, on more jet sweeps, those types of actions, but also letting him run routes out of those. Let him run out to the flat, you know, especially in situations where you want a check down, you have to have a check down, but they're getting a pass rush. So you want to keep in maybe running back to block, throw him in on that action, come up with some cool, like almost triple option looks with him coming through and then an option with a quarterback and the running back, you know, especially if Brendan Lewis is the quarterback. Um, when you, this is a weird tangent, but I'm sure a lot of you guys watched that Ravens chiefs game last night. It was incredible watching those coaches go at it. The different way that they were moving players around before the snap, the play designs. It's just incredible. The choreographed pump fakes. Those are the types of things. The, honest, no, those are the types of teams where Katie Nixon would fit in really well. Um, again, he, he does need to take some steps forward just personally in, in his game to be that type of player where he really fits in, where those are teams are like, okay, we need him. Um, and that's going to be tough to do. But he can be that type of guy for the Colorado Buffaloes offense, especially given what their other options are. Um, I don't know how they're going to use KD this year, um, especially because Dimitri Stanley will be one of their three best receivers this year, and I do think that he is going to be in the slot, um, which is where you're going to see a lot more of the motion just because you're so close into that formation. Um Daniel Arias has to be the favorite outside. Um, just has to be. There aren't a lot of stats that you can look at for any of these guys. Um, but there is one that I would uh, bring up. Um Maurice Bell, Daniel Arias both targeted six times this season. Jalen Jackson targeted seven. Um, Jalen Jackson had one drop on five catchable balls. Daniel Arias had one drop on four catchable balls. Maurice Bell had one drop on three catchable balls. Those aren't great numbers. Um, Katie Nixon had four on 39, so about one in 10, half the rate of Jackson, a third of the rate of Bell. Um, Dimitri Stanley, two on 31. Then three on 59 for both Tony Brown and Visca. Um, those drops, even in the small sample size, <laughs> it doesn't feel good. It definitely doesn't feel good. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had to rank which guys I expect we'll see, and again, we just haven't seen them. It's tough to talk about these guys when you just don't see them on the field. But Daniel Arias would have to be number one. Um, 6'4", 205, great athlete, big guy. If he can go up and get the ball, then maybe all of a sudden this is an offense that can push the ball downfield and be successful doing it, which adds so much. That's how you get the defense to put two safeties deep um, and open things up in the running game, keep that safety out of the box. Um, that's how you get the quick scores that get you back into football games. Um <sighs> I'm curious to see what this offense looks like because you know what? If if I think Tyler Lytle's a quarterback who can throw the ball deep down the field successfully, um, I like his chances in that area better than the other two, at, at least for year one. That's factoring in that Brendan Lewis is a true freshman. 
if it isn't Tyler Lytle, who's the quarterback, I would love for this offense to really focus on the underneath passes. Um, because when I look through this roster, I kind of see a lot of guys who I like a lot better in the slot. Um, Daniel Arias and Maurice Bell being the two guys who you would look at as outside receivers for sure. Um, and Carl Durrell, West Coast offense. He knows how to run that quick passing stuff. Back, back time, or last time Chev was offensive coordinator, I mean, it was probably too many screens. It was too horizontal. Those aren't necessarily the quick passes I'm looking for. It's not like scripted screens. It's more West Coast, read the defense, find who's open, get him the ball quick. You know, change things up from the narrative that was the bus, that Steven Montez kind of holds the ball too long and he's looking too deep when his deep threats are Tony Brown. And I guess, I mean, Visca can go up and get it. Katie Nixon can get some separation deep. But I, I'm not sold that that's what this team should be looking for. And especially if you get uh, somebody other than Tyler Lytle, I'd really like to see them focus on quick, short passes. Just go for efficiency, make things easy, quick reads. Not that West Coast offense is super easy on a quarterback, but there are a lot of questions with these receivers. Um, we should probably dig deeper than the top three, though. Um, I'm not sure how I'd handicap the rest of the receivers. I am pretty confident that Arias, Stanley, and Nixon are the top three, though. Um, is Vontae Chenault number four, Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson? You just don't really know. Uh, Vontae and Maurice Bell, definitely more outside receivers. Um Haven't seen a whole lot of either of them, though. Um, yeah, Jalen Jackson, as a slot receiver, uh, you really like what he can do, uh, especially because he does have the speed. Um, he's a guy who, in a lot of situations, um, well, we might as well dig into specifics now that we're in football season. You know, if you read cover three from the defense and you have Jalen Jackson lined up in the slot, you can send that man up the seam and that is going to put a strain on the defense. Um, whether that's just clearing space on the other seam because you're pulling the safety over, whether it's because you can actually fit a ball in there, he is a weapon in the slot. And Dimitri Stanley is too. Um, when you have slot receivers who aren't just your, you know, Wes Welker, who is like your very standard prototypical slot receiver, a guy who's smart. He can find the gaps in the zone coverage. He runs sharp enough routes to get enough separation. He's small. He's boxy. Um, he can box out defenders and reach out and grab the ball in front of him with his hands. Just a very clean, polished player who typically is pretty strong. You know, you look at Julian Edelman, very much in that same mold. Those are the guys who typically have been very valuable to have in the slot. But when you add that speed dynamic, when you force defenses to at least think about the possibility that this could just be a streak route, a seam route, straight up the seam, 
it does add another dynamic. The question with Jalen Jackson, though, is, is he strong enough to hold on to the ball when a linebacker is hitting him? You know, if you're going up against zone playing the slot, you're going to be dealing with a lot of linebackers. Is he strong enough to do that? And I think Dimitri Stanley has maybe not proven that he can do that, but he's proven that he is good enough that you expect him now in year two, really, in this offense as a redshirt sophomore to to be able to produce what you need to be able to produce, what you need your slot receiver to produce, is how I'll say that. Jalen Jackson, you like a lot of the tools. You wonder, when he gets hit, does he hold on to the ball through contact? Is he going to find the gaps in the space? Those sorts of things that are still questions. Um, You know, at the very least, though, when you're in a pinch, when you're down a receiver for whatever reason, if you want to line him up outside, send him down the field, and try a couple of deep balls to him because he is so fast, just to get the defense to sit back and respect that when Jalen Jacks is on the field, you have to sit back, you have to have a safety waiting outside because he can outrun most corners, that is something that is valuable. I don't think it's nearly as valuable as having a guy like Katie Nixon, who is so dynamic. Um, But there is something that you know that Jalen Jackson can provide you. Um, It's similar to the Visca thing. When we talked about how Visca, he has a role in the NFL on basically every play. You watch him play, there's something that he can do, and he can do that thing well. Um, Jalen Jackson has a skill, and that skill is getting the safeties to sit back. And if you put him on the field, the safety's got to keep an eye on him. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something for him on every play, but there is a thing that he does well, and that's a great place to start when you're trying to find playing time. Um, yeah, I think that that's a lot of my thoughts on this offense. Um, Daniel Arias, what does the route running look like? Is he only a deep threat? Is he only a jump ball guy? If, if that's the case, then Jalen Jackson is... I don't know the impacts. I, I really do think that Jalen Jackson's primarily used in the slot. Um, but Daniel Arias, you need him to be able to do something more than just go deep and go up and get a ball. You need him to have quick enough feet that he can catch you on a comeback route or a hitch route um, when you're playing off coverage. Um, and I just don't know. We just haven't seen enough of it. And uh, I guess we'll find out soon enough. But yeah, those are some thoughts on the receivers and what we'll see from them. Um, Oh, I should check for questions. As always, if you guys have any questions, uh, you can find the post for today's show at thedmvr.com and uh, leave your thoughts uh, for me to read on the podcast. We'll read all of them, uh, whether they're comments, whether they're questions, I guess that we have at least a couple that are backed up, um, but we're going to get back into the groove of hitting these every day. Um, Yes. All right. 
Um, this one comes in from Silver Buff. Uh, looking forward to a North-South showdown. Not looking forward to playing Oregon State in that game. <laughs> if they haven't already, CU should postpone the KU game till next year when they're allowed to have fans. Um, so two totally different thoughts there. Uh, North-South showdown. That's going to be when the North Division team plays the corresponding South Division team based on the standings in their divisions um, at the end of the season to be the seventh game that Pac-12 teams will play. So Oregon State would likely mean that Colorado takes dead last in the South to play Oregon State, which would be likely dead last in the North. Um, you never know. You never know. Um, postponing the Kansas game. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I can't remember off the top of my head the date for that game. I want to say it was like December 28th, December 26th. We did learn uh, yesterday, though, that the Pac-12 is trying to play a 20-game conference schedule, just a standards conference schedule, um, and they would start that schedule with two games in December. So likely... so. The way it works is you have every weekend you play two teams um, like Thursday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday. So they'd have one weekend of play in December. Um, that might be the weekend that they're supposed to play Kansas. Kansas might actually be the week before. We can look into that for sure. Um, so it might not fit already. Postpone till they have fans. I mean... Yeah, in theory, that would be great. Um, you don't want to waste the biggest draw that you're going to have likely in, what, a five-year span? I haven't looked at the um, future non-conference opponents. I don't think they don't go out as far ahead, do they, in basketball? Um, but I would say, like, you that would be the biggest draw. I mean, unless you get like a Duke or like another one of those big brand name teams. And even then there's like this specific feeling that Colorado fans have toward Kansas. That might be just like the most marketable matchup that Colorado could have. Um, yeah, I think it might be. Um, and so to, to not have fans there for that, I mean, Obviously, you lose whatever revenue you get from packing a gym, which in terms of money, playing a Kansas isn't going to be all that much different than playing in Oregon. Um, you're still going to sell all your tickets and the people who go aren't going to eat any more or less food. You know, they're not going to spend different amounts of money on concessions, but there is like that owing it to the fans, like if you could play this game and say, hey, Buff fans, we found a way for you guys to watch when we play Kansas, that would be pretty big. At the same time, though, I'm not so sure that that's something that Kansas really cares about. And so on their end of the negotiations, that would not be valuable. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see. Um, I think a lot of these non-conference schedules are going to be reworked. And even if it's not for that specific reason, I would guess that any given game including that game that does come after the number november 24th start date but before the conference schedule would be changed i think that all of them are kind of 50 50 i guess um so there's some thoughts on that again these are my guesses uh appreciate the comment as always silver buff and uh before we get out of here i want to tell you guys about world golf tour 
Um, last week was a lot of fun. We gave out 300 bucks in prizes and some merch as well because it was the first major um, that DNBR has hosted. If I'm being totally honest, though, if you guys haven't signed up for WGT yet, that may not have been the weekend to do it because uh, you, you just weren't going to be able to beat the people who've been playing this game consistently uh, for the last few months since we started um, playing all these tournaments every weekend. But that means that right now is the time to sign up because I'm not sure when the next major will be. I'm guessing we'd do four a year. Nobody tells me about, like, I'm not involved in deciding when we host the big golf tournaments. I guess that there'll be four a year, like in the real world. Um, so you have some time to get your game in shape um, and make yourself competitive next time there are big prizes like this. Um, even if even if there are prizes, it's also just a lot of fun to compete with so many people. You can join the DMVR3 Clubhouse by going to dmvrgolf.com, downloading WGT, the most realistic free golf game. It's played by more than 20 million players around the world. Uh, you can play it from anywhere, from couch, on the go. It's meant to be on your phone. You can play on your iPad. You can actually play it on a desktop computer as well. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you get to play real courses like Pebble Beach, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes. Uh, you get to play with Titleist Clubs, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade. It's a really cool game. We're having a whole bunch of fun. Again, we host tournaments every weekend. Um, last weekend, we gave out 300 bucks in prizes and a bunch of merch. Um, so at least take a shot. There's no catch to any of it. Just go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT Golf, and join the DNVR3 Clubhouse so that you can play with us in all of our tournaments. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, football's back. Football's back. And, well, it's not back. But it's close enough, and I'm confident enough that it's going to happen, that this, like, purgatory that we've been living for living in just is kind of done. Uh, we're going to keep going with all these previews of the positions, previews of the other teams. If you guys have anything else that you want me to talk about, as always, just let me know in the comment section of the post for today's show at thedmbr.com. We'll cover that too. If you have any thoughts on any of the guys I was talking about, your own thoughts, questions about anything. Um, if you want to ask me about buff soccer, we'll talk about buff soccer. Totally open-ended. Um, I want you guys to have some say in the show. And as we start ramping up for a buffs football season, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening on this podcast. I'm so excited that you guys are here joining me. Um, and, uh, oh, if you guys leave like a five-star review, you guys get um, a thing that I pre-recorded like a week ago and I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's like $10 off the DNVR shop, uh, DNVR locker. Um, so do that. Send a screenshot to us. Email the email that I said at the beginning of the podcast and get yourself some uh, swag. All right. Uh, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado swag. Competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado 
patient, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 